Well, I'm excited about uh, the message tonight. Uh, we're going to be doing part two of the series I started last week. You are listening to the us. CMC this Podcast. Join us each week for messages week. designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. Really, uh, and now for today's message from student pastor Josh Barnett. Emmanuel, God with us. What does that mean? And just the importance of, uh, of his closeness and what we're really celebrating this Christmas season. And, th- and then I ended with a really, uh, a really great thought about his peace, that he's the Prince of Peace. And that he, but we only get his peace to the degree in which we submit to his government. Because Isaiah 9 says that his government and peace, the increase will never end. And so if we want to get his peace, we have to submit to his government. I I explained all that last week, and so go check that out on the podcast. Tonight, I want to look at the the actual Christmas story, particularly Mary and Joseph. I want to kind of zoom in on their lives and and pull a couple key truths out that we can relate to us. I I think maybe our story sometimes relates closer to theirs than we we may think. So let's turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. We're going to read through verse 38. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Man. It's exciting. <laughs> it just never, it never gets old to me. As I was reading and studying this today, I just felt, I felt the fear of the Lord as I was just reading this text, felt his presence as I was reading about this. You know, to you put yourself in her shoes, this, this young girl, Mary, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, out in the middle of nowhere, out in the middle in Nazareth, in Galilee, just going about her day. God hasn't spoke to anybody in over 400 years. And then all of a sudden an angel shows up and starts speaking to her. And, and, and what could she think? Like, I'm the most least likely person. Like, and it's so cool how God does that in scripture, right? He always uses somebody. It's like, you know, we're going we're gonna to use the shepherd boy, David, who, who, who's the short runt of the family. All of his brothers are older and stronger. And we're going to use that guy who watches sheep all day. And, you know, you just, so many stories where God uses the least likely person. And even in my life, sometimes I look and go, why me? Like, why, well, God, why are, why are you using me? Just, you know, a, a kid out here in the middle of nowhere, Jesseville, Arkansas. Why would you use me, God? And the, the fact that she was a virgin, like, you know, <laughs> it's like he tells her these things. And she's like, hang on, like, do you, uh, do you know, like, if you're going to have a baby, like, so, things got to happen. And they haven't happened yet. So I don't know if you know where babies come from or not, Mr. Angel, sir, but that's what, you know, that's what happens. 
And, and, and sometimes even when God calls us to do things, we think those thoughts of, well, well hold up, I, who am I? Who am I or what do I have to offer or, you know, this, 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 and this. It's funny how angels show up to people in scripture and then people always like, they always like try to correct the angel. They're like, hang on, God didn't, you didn't think this all the way through before you came, <laughs> you know, and God's not up there going, oh, you know, thank me for you that you came and told me, you know, what I, what I needed to do. But I think we get preconceived ideas about his plans and about what he wants to do. And many times our excuses will we'll limit God in our own life. We'll limit what he wants to do through us and in us when, when we have thoughts like, well, I'm just from Arkansas or I'm just, you know, I'm just 14 or I'm just whatever, I, you know, or I'm not very smart or I'm not very, I don't have any money or I'm not very talented. I'm not very good. At, I'm too young. I'm too old. Or, or do you know what I've done? I've blown it big time. You know, we, we, we have these excuses many times when God comes and says, here, I want you to do this. And we've got to understand that God will use you if you let him. And he will use you to the degree in which you surrender to him. That's how God uses you. He will use you to the degree in which you surrender to him. We've got to know that God had a plan and a purpose for our life before he laid the foundations of the world. And he chose Mary to walk out one of his most important task and she is just a seemingly just unknown girl in the middle of nowhere but it's interesting that it says that Mary found favor in God's eyes found favor in God's eyes and that favor didn't bring you know rainbows and butterflies like riches and mansions it didn't bring those things it wasn't about making her dreams come true yeah and you know I think it's funny when he when he says greetings favored woman it says that she was deeply disturbed she was deeply troubled she was afraid when she heard this, right? When we hear God's favor, we're like, give me some of that favor, Lord. When she heard it, she was like, wait a minute. What do you mean when you say favor? (laughs) What do you mean when you say favor, Lord? Perhaps sometimes we don't see favor right because we need to understand that God's favor always comes with a high price. You know, God's, God's favor can lead to material possessions. It can lead to status, but that's not the point of favor. When the Lord calls us favored, he's about to ask us to lay our life down. He's about to ask us to turn some things over to him. (laughs) You know that, and and so you got to switch your perspective a lot of times on favor. You know, I, I, my wife has been on vacation, so I've had my three little ones by myself um, for the last four days, and I'm thankful that she is coming home tonight. Um, <laughs> I've got a six, uh, four and two year old that I have had the last four days, just, just dad. And, uh, it's been, <laughs> yeah, it's been awesome. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, that's favor on my life that I have those children. It's so those kids that, you know, make you want to pull your hair out. It's favor. You know, that difficult person that God has called you to love, to mentor, to disciple. Our theme this year is making disciples that that person that you don't necessarily want to disciple that God is telling you to disciple, it's favor. It's God's favor on your life. You know, God was asking Mary to give up her entire life, her plans and her dreams, you know, just throw those out because you're about to be humiliated, hurt, rejected. It's interesting. Gabriel didn't say, oh, by the way, I'm going to go explain this to everybody. I'm going to go let Joseph know real quick. Gabriel didn't say that. He didn't let her know. And so she's submitting to what God wants her to do without any, without God saying, I'm going to go let, she didn't know. 
She submitted willingly to, let, to be able to lose her fiance, lose her future husband, lose her future. And if you go back, if you look at this ancient Jewish culture, it was not very kind to women. You, they couldn't go get like, you couldn't go get a job down at Walmart. It wasn't easy for women in that day to provide for themselves. And a, a young married girl, unmarried girl who became pregnant would likely remain unmarried for her entire life unless the father of the child came in and agreed to marry her. But if the father rejected her, she could be forced into prostitution. She could be forced into begging to earn a living. It wasn't as easy as it was now. This almost might have been more accepted nowadays because the things that she would have heard then were, you know, I can't believe, you know, this lie that you're saying, like, you're, you're a liar, you're, you know, you're an adulteress, you're a whore. Like, I can't believe that you would say these things to hide your sin, Mary. Those are the things, she's going to be hearing those things. You know, Mary is, she's an amazing figure to us now. Like, she's, she's a hero. But nobody thought of Mary as a hero in that day. Nobody would have thought of Mary as a hero in that day. And what is her response to the Lord? Knowing that all of these things are coming. May everything that you said come true. May everything that you have said about me come true. Like, what courage, what bravery, what obedience do we see with Mary here? You know, fear... The angel says, fear not, fear not. And it wasn't just don't be afraid of me. It's don't be afraid of what's about to happen. Don't be afraid of what you're about to have to walk through. Fear not is actually the most common command in all of scripture. It's mentioned over 300 times. You know, she didn't know what the outcome would be. She just simply trusted. She just trusted in what, what God had called her to do with not many details. Right? When God calls us to do things, many times he doesn't, he's not going to lay it out completely. He's not going to give you all the details. We have to simply just trust and be obedient to his word and be obedient to what he tells us to do. God, may everything you said come true, no matter what it costs me, no matter how much it hurts, no matter how many people tell me I'm crazy. God wants us to do impossible things, but we have got to be obedient and willing to look like a fool to the world. We've got to be willing to look like a fool to the world. Now flip over to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Starting in verse 18, we're going to read 18 through 25 here. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Wow, like think about Joseph. <laughs> Now, I don't think Joseph many times is a, he's, he's not a character that's talked about a lot, and there's really not a whole lot in Scripture about Joseph. 
But I think he's got to be one of the most respectable men in Scripture. I think he's got to be one of our heroes because in this, you know, this high honor, very masculine culture, you know, put yourself in his shoes and all the things that were about to be said about him and all the things that were going to be done to him. You know, I love the verse that says that he was going to break the engagement off quietly. That says a lot about him right there because he did not have to do it. He actually could have went and got all the boys and had her stoned. They could have killed her for this. He had the right to do that, but he said he was going to break it off quietly, and I think that shows his heart, his character, his love for Mary. Even if he didn't quite believe her, he still had this love and this character for her. And honestly, I believe one of the main reasons Mary was chosen was because of Joseph, because of the character of Joseph, not just because he was in the line of David, but perhaps God waited for over 400 years because he was waiting on a man of integrity that he could entrust his son to. Men, are you such a person of character that your wife is highly favored in the eyes of God? But First Peter chapter 3 actually says that if you're not, then God doesn't listen to your prayers. I didn't say it. It was God. It was 1 Peter 3. Go read it. But if you're not a person of character, that your, your prayers will be hindered to the Lord. That if you treat your wife with dishonor, that God doesn't listen to you. That is, that's scary. <laughs> but it's interesting to see the character and integrity of Joseph and how this all played out. I mean, what a major kink in this guy's plans. He's engaged to this girl. He's, you know, he's a descendant of David. Even though he's not going to be king, he's not going to sit on the throne. He, they live in a high honor culture, probably a culture that would have honored that he was a direct descendant of their most famous king. He would have been like the man. He would have been like, dude, that's, like, you're, that's awesome. You know, had it all figured out, it's going to marry this amazing young woman. And now all that's messed up. You know, think about the thoughts that went through his mind and the way that people are going to look at you and that boy that's not your son. And you're saying that it's God's kid? Like walking down the road, you think of the, what he's going to have to face. And man, I think about like, you know, <laughs> the things that a man teaches his son. Would he have to teach Jesus or would Jesus already know? You've ever thought about that? Like he's the son of God. He's God. Did, I mean, did it, how, much, how much did he know? As he was, gonna, was he going to have to teach him how to work, how to build, how to fix things, how to be tough? And, you know, I know he is conceived of the Holy Spirit, but is he going to look like me? Is he going to call me dad? Just thoughts that, you know, run through his mind if you just put yourself in his place there of like, man, Lord, like, how is this going to work out? You know, this probably didn't happen, but I was just thinking about this today. <laughs> you ever think Jesus was like a kid or a teenager and Joseph was like building a table or something and like, you know, Jesus over there going, eh. like old Joe, like I'd do it a different way. Like I would... You know, you ain't doing that right, or like you made that cut wrong, or here, Dad, let me do it. Like, <laughs> I know that didn't happen, but it's just kind of funny to think about. I mean, he's God. I mean, he's, I don't know. Um, but man, to think about the looks he would get, people would know that he wasn't the, da the real dad of Joseph, and they definitely wouldn't be buying the Son of God thing. But then I think about like, man, what joy filled his heart every time he looked in the face of Jesus. What joy fills your heart every time you look in the face of your kid? 
what joy would fill his heart every time he looked down seeing like this is the son of God that I'm raising. This is, this is Jesus. He had the honor and the privilege to raise and look after the son of God, the Messiah. But man, then, you know, what real pressure, you know, because one of the, as parents, one of the things we want to do is protect our kids. You know, man, I got to protect the son of God. I got to protect Jesus. How much more would you want to protect him? It's interesting to think about. Let's turn to Luke chapter 2. Back over to Luke, sorry. You wish these guys would have kind of worked it all out here and just give us the whole story in one deal. No, it's, it's interesting. Chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 7 here. It says, At the time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Verse 3, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth and Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Or most translations, a lot of translations say there was no room available for them in the inn. Now, I want to I wanna challenge this word inn here tonight. Don't get offended. Just process with me. I know a lot of translations say inn but I'm, I'm a Bible geek, like I'm a Bible nerd. Like I, when I study, when I study, when I stand up here and preach for 30 minutes, like I want you to know like six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours have gone into me just eating this and reading about it and seeing what the words mean and seeing what, you know, great theologians had to say about it. I put a lot, a whole lot into this and I, because I love it. I'm a, I'm a geek. You know, when we do verse by verse studies in here and they last 10 weeks long, I'm like, man, let's, let's take them 20 weeks. Like, let's go, let's literally do like each week, let's do one verse. Cause that's just how my brain is wired that way. And I love it. Um, but <laughs> you know, the Greek word that gets translated to in doesn't really mean in, it means an upper room. It means a guest room in a house. Bethlehem would have been way too small of a town to have a hotel or an inn where people stayed. Mary and Joseph were from Bethlehem. Their families were from Bethlehem. The census happened, so many, they're having to travel to their home towns. So this town would have been packed. And so tonight I want us to see that they weren't necessarily being turned away by some, you know, angry innkeeper. They were being rejected by family. You know, possibly an aunt, uncles, cousins, grandparents, brothers, sisters, close friends, people that knew them. People that heard the rumors that Mary was pregnant and God did it, right? And Joseph choosing to stay with her. So understand, Jesus is being rejected before he's even born. Because he's showing up to houses. I mean, a pregnant woman, like you show up, she's about to pop. Like, I don't, if I know this woman or not, like I'm about to make somebody move because we're going to bring her in here. But what happens is they're showing up and people are going, I've heard about this and it's too scandalous to have in my house. You're going to have to find somewhere else. You know, when you sell out to Jesus, <laughs> when you tell the angel, let everything you said come true, you're signing up to be rejected. You're signing up to be misunderstood by the world, by neighbors, by, by, by family. 
But Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it first hated me, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, it may not turn out like the, like the way you planned, but, you know, if we'll hang in there, he promises it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. You know, the fact is, I, you know, I even think that may be why God sent Mary to stay with Elizabeth and Zechariah while she was pregnant. I think she had to find someone that she didn't have to explain herself to. You know, there was something already happening with Elizabeth and Zechariah that didn't make sense. You know, she's too old to get pregnant, and dad's saying he can't talk, right? That's so, that's weird. And so when Mary shows up to their house, she doesn't have to explain what's going on on the inside of her. They know, they understand. She needed someone to give her permission to embrace what God was doing on the inside of her, even if she couldn't explain it very well. Last week, I talked about God is going to call us to do things that don't make sense many times. And if you, if you disagree with me, just read the Bible. Because we went through story after story where God calls most people, he calls them to do things that don't make sense. Why? Because his ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He, never, he, he also never promises when he calls us to do those things that he's going to go explain it to everybody and say, hey, I'm going to let them know so people don't think you're crazy. But if you actually do what God calls you to do, you're going to get looked at by an alien sometimes. Like, like looked at like you're an alien. Like, you're a, like I've had family, I told them, like, I'm doing ministry, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, we're going to do, this is what God called us to do, and they just look at me like I'm from another world. Like, what? Like, that doesn't make sense at all. People look at you like you're crazy. But I want to let you know, you need somebody in your life that will tell you to go for it. You need somebody in your life that will give you permission to go after it. Like, has God ever stirred something up on the inside of you that you don't even know what it is, but you know it's something different? You know it's not, like, I, don't, I can't even put words to this right now, but I know that he's doing something in me, and I don't even know how to explain it. I don't even, you know, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I'm moving my family here. I don't know why I can't stop crying. I don't know why I can't stop listening to worship music all the time. I don't know why I can't put my Bible down. I don't know why I don't want to watch TV anymore. I don't know why I can't talk about anything other than Jesus. I don't know. I don't, all I know is that it's God. I, all I know is that God is doing something in the inside of, inside of me. And you've got to link yourself up to persons who will look at you and say, it's okay, you don't have to explain it, just go for it. Whatever he's stirring up on the inside of you, just go for it. You never see Mary's parents. Never mentions Mary's parents in the story. And I'm not saying that they weren't amazing, awesome, godly people. Because you will tell amazing, awesome, godly people what God is doing on the inside of you, and they'll look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> but you do see Elizabeth and Zechariah, and you do see that she goes to stay with them while she's pregnant. She needed, val <laughs> in the time where she needed validation most, she goes to stay with her aunt and uncle. Because Elizabeth was going through something similar I'll, this is a, just a side point here. This is free tonight. Um, Mary was too young to have a baby, and Elizabeth was too old to have a baby. Wherever you're at right now, you're not too young or too old. You're right where God wants you to be. Wherever you are, you're not too young and you're not too old. You're right where God wants you to be. You just have to be obedient to his voice. I hear, I hear it all the time, you know, from youth kids that like they think they're too young and they just got to get older to do something. And then, you know, I look at my life and I'm like, man, I'm already 30. 
Like, no, I'm right where God wants me to be. Right? You're, already, you're already 50, you're already 60, you're already, you know, you're right where God wants you to be. You just be obedient to his voice. You're not too young and you're not too old to do what he has called you to do. Turn to Matthew chapter 2. Sorry, we keep flipping back and forth here. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. It says, After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord has spoken to the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and younger based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Mary and Joseph were given the responsibility of birthing and raising the son of God. We have been given the responsibility of stewarding something that God has put on the inside of us. He has put dreams and destiny and purpose and legacy inside all of us. And it will not come when you want it to. It won't come at a convenient time. It won't come at a convenient location. And it won't come in a way that makes sense to the people around you. What we get from this right here is there is also an enemy that is at war against what God has put on the inside of you. The census wasn't a coincidence. This was an act of warfare. The enemy knew something was coming. He was trying to stir something up, get people on the move out of their comfort zone. He was waiting for somebody to make a mistake. And Herod comes along and starts killing babies because he thinks he's going to have to share his throne. When the devil is terrified of what people can turn into, he always starts killing babies. You look at Pharaoh and Moses. You look at the Israelites who constantly fell into idol worship that involved killing their children. You look at Herod and Jesus. You look at Roe versus Wade. The devil, here's the deal. The devil is terrified at what America could turn into. He's terrified of a generation becoming what God has called them to believe. I, like, I believe that Jesus is the answer, obviously, but I believe that America is a key into bringing Jesus to the rest of the world. You, I mean, you just look at what's going on. Why, why are people working so hard to impeach our president? It's demonic. It's a demonic strategy. However you feel about him, it's a demonic strategy. And here's why. Because he fights for the unborn. We have a president who fights for the unborn. You know, he's, he's nominating pro-life Supreme Court justices. And if he gets reelected, he'll, he'll probably have the chance to reelect a couple more. And what is amazing is that we could see Roe v. Wade overturned this decade. Come on, like that's amazing. That's incredible right there. It, it's neat to see what was going on here and what's going on in our day and time. And we've got to understand that what enemy we're fighting and that we've got to fight to protect the unborn. Just like Joseph fought to protect un, the unborn Jesus, we've got to fight to protect our babies. We've been given a responsibility to protect what God has entrusted with us. And that very much includes our children. That very much includes the next generation. Will we protect them? Will we raise them well? So that we can shoot them like flaming arrows into the darkness to extinguish it. Man. I, sorry, that was free too. I just, that was a side note there that I loved that was kind of in the story. Last week we talked about Emmanuel, God with us. This week 
He's here. How do you respond? He's in you. What do you do with his presence? You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. How are you stewarding his presence? How are you following his leading? How are you listening to his voice? And Paul told Timothy, you've got to fan the flame. You've got to fan the flame. The flame is there in all of us. You've got to throw a log on the fire. Mary and Joseph had the responsibility of raising Jesus. We have the responsibility of growing our relationship with him. You've got to fan it into flame with prayer, scripture, worship. Last week we talked about bringing, bringing his peace, or we get his peace in the degree in which we submit to his government. And I see Mary and Joseph just submitting perfectly. It never talks about them complaining, never talks about frustration, never talks about fear, never talks about anger. All those things might have been there. You know, their circumstances weren't exactly what you want, you know, when you're eight, nine months pregnant. You've got to deliver a baby. You know, they had to travel like 70 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And they, you know, they didn't exactly like load up in the minivan. They had to, ride, they had to take a donkey. You know, they probably didn't have great roads. You know, I'm, I'm actually leaving for Houston this weekend and, and uh, I, I'm not excited about it. And I was thinking the other day as I was studying for this that uh, I get to ride in a truck with heat on the inside of it and I get to drive uh, on smooth asphalt the whole way. And I, you know, I've got, you know, music and movies and things to entertain my children as we go. I've got easy access to food all the way there. You know, I was, you know, I, the Holy Spirit was really working on me because I was noticed that I started complaining about this trip a lot to my wife. And, and then I'm reading about Mary and Joseph and I'm like, oh, it's not so bad actually. <laughs> right? Like how, like how selfish do we get? Like how selfish do we get about, about things that we got to do? Especially even during the holidays, you know, we think thoughts of like, you know, why don't I get to do what I want to do? But it's not about what we want to do. It wasn't with Mary and Joseph. It wasn't about what they wanted to do. It was about what God wanted to do. It was about his plan and his purpose. You know, our purpose, our plans, our destiny, they're actually not about us. They're all about him and bringing his glory and about raising up the next generation. It's interesting, Mary and Joseph had this amazing responsibility, this amazing purpose and calling, but it, they never made it about themselves. It was always about Jesus. It was always about the next generation. It was about them birthing Jesus and then raising him and then him going in and just transforming the world. And you know, on that note of just like raising up the next generation, it's hard to find, you know, stories in scripture that didn't always involve the next generation. You know, most, most dreams that God gives men in scripture always have to do with the next generation, always have to do with raising someone else up. Like we, it, and so we've got to see like what we're doing with our purpose, our purpose, our destiny is, isn't really about us. It's about the legacy that we leave. Your destiny is actually your legacy. So it's not about elevating you. It's about, hey man, let's build this. Let's make the kingdom the best that we can. And then from there, our kids are gonna take it to the next level. They're gonna keep it going. You know, God's, God has put a seed on the inside of us. And that seed is actually meant to outlive us. What God puts on the inside of us is actually meant to outlive us. What God, the dreams and destiny that God has put on the inside of you, if it can be accomplished in your lifetime, I would say it's not big enough. The dreams that God has put on, the purpose, the calling, the, the things that you feel like you are supposed to do on this earth, if it doesn't outlive you, it's not big enough. It's all about legacy. 
You're going to have to raise it. You're going to have to feed it. You're going to have to steward it. You know, most of us probably aren't frustrated with what God is doing, but how long we think it's taking. You know, Mary's dream, or this purpose that she's now been given, is going to be nine months in her belly, and then 30 years of living in the middle of nowhere. 30 years Jesus lived in obscurity, just nothing happened. And God said all these things, here's what your son's going to do, here's the things that he's going to be, here's whatever, and then just, you know, Nine months and then 30 years, just day after day after day of nothing, of nothing. What is the dream that he's given you? Look inside the, in the deep parts of who you are, and I guarantee you it's not just to work hard, make lots of money, and retire. It's to leave a legacy for the next generation to continue. I want to end with this. I am, I'm going to try to do this without crying. <laughs> because I was just thinking about all these things today with Mary and Joseph and, and, and then just the Christmas story and in my own life. And Christmas was not something that I looked forward to growing up. I, my parents split up when I was young. And it just turned into, and even before that, it was just a lot of turmoil, just a lot of fighting, a lot of yelling. And, and I, I didn't look forward to the holidays. You know, I didn't look forward to going to four different houses. I didn't look forward to, go to, to people arguing about where I was going to be on this weekend or this day or it's my year or it's your year, it's whatever. I just, I didn't look forward to it. And, you know, there, there may be some hard things in your own life with Christmas this season. It may be lonely, it may be full of fighting, it may be full of talking, may, you know, maybe, maybe you've lost someone close, maybe you've lost a spouse or a child, or, or, or you know, you're at a place where your children are older now and they, you know, they won't come see you or they won't let you come see them. Or, you know, I, I think sometimes we get lost in this, the grandeur of Christmas and we, it, I, I think sometimes we fall into of like this magical thing's going to happen and make everything right this holiday season, but that's, you know, that's not always the case. I think sometimes we think, well, maybe this will be the year that me and dad's relationship is mended, or maybe mom will come home this year. You know, this is the year that everybody will get along, or, you know, I'd love for that to happen, and I'm, I'm praying that it does, and I really, I, I want you to get your hopes up about your family. I want you to have great faith about what God can do in your family, but I also want us to understand that, that one day it will be perfect, and it may not be today. But you can be different. You can be different. We don't have to fuss and we don't have to fight and we don't have to argue and we don't have to make Christmas hell for everybody. Your house can be full of joy and your house can be full of peace. But it will only be there to the degree in which you allow Jesus to come in and do a work in your home. You know, I, thinking, about all, thinking about those people that turned Mary and Joseph away that didn't allow Jesus to come into their house this Christmas season, will you allow him to come into your home? Or will it be about whatever? Will it be about drama? Will it be about this person said this or my kids did this or whatever? You know, I'm, I, I love Christmas now. I, look, I so look forward to Christmas morning with my kids now. 
you know, I said it in my heart a long time ago that my kids would not know the hurt and the turmoil that troubled my heart growing up. And no matter what you're going through and no matter who you spend Christmas with, even if you're by yourself, I propose this to you, that you can have joy and peace that passes all understanding. Well, how do you have that? Because of Jesus. You keep your eyes on him. You keep... You just, we just look to the cross. I said it last week. If it wasn't for the cross, we wouldn't even celebrate Christmas. If it wasn't for Easter, we wouldn't even celebrate Christmas. But you look to your resurrected king. You look to him. And he's got joy. And he's got peace that passes all understanding. And you submit to what he wants you to do. You can make your family different. You know, I, Jesus... <laughs> For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was that joy? It was you. It was me. It was that we get to come back into relationship with him. That that is what we are celebrating Christmas season is Jesus, is our relationship with him. And and man, maybe if it hasn't been great the last few years, it's a new year. It's a new beginning. You got one week to get it together. You got you got one week to make it great. The ho- the holidays can be great around your home. This can be your year. You choose the degree in which you want Jesus to come in your house. You have just as much Jesus as you want. Your choices dictate how much Jesus you have. How much Jesus do you allow into your home? Well, what if my family looks at me weird when I start talking about him all the time? Find somebody that will give you permission to do it. I will. Talk about him all the time. What if I start to pray and I've never prayed with my family before? Just do it. Just step off into that awkward pool. Just dive right in. It will only become less awkward if you start doing it. It's never going to get less awkward if you don't do it, but you just jump in. Just bring Jesus. Put him on the forefront. Hey, kids, before we open gifts, we're going to read the Christmas story. We're going to pray. We're going to celebrate. We're going to sing happy birthday to Jesus. Whatever it is, get him in the center of your home. And it may start awkward, but I promise you, wherever Jesus is celebrated, his peace reigns. Wherever he is celebrated, the Holy Spirit is invited into that place. And you begin to participate in the kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen? Y'all stand with me. I'm out of time. God, we thank you so much. We are so grateful to you that you sent Jesus. Lord, that you sent him in seed form, that you sent him as a baby. God, and he endured everything that we have gone through so that he could be our great sympathizer. Lord, as we celebrate the Christmas season, it's all about you. It's all about your glory, Lord. God, we put up trees and lights and we give gifts and we do all of that to celebrate you because you are worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all, Lord. Lord, don't let us be, a, be ashamed. Let, let, let this Christmas season be a time, Lord, that we spread your name everywhere that we go with, with our family members, with our friends, in the houses, Christmas parties, everything that we're involved in, God. Let your name be on our lips. Let us be bold for you. 
Let us bring, just like Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the world, let us bring you into the world in maybe some of the most obscure places, Lord. Wherever it's at, show us those opportunities. Maybe we're traveling. Maybe we're stopping at a gas station. Maybe we are, uh, maybe we're taking a flight, Lord. Let us shine your light everywhere that we go, Lord. Holy Spirit, we are so thankful that you live on the inside of us. Teach us to fan that flame, Lord, so that we can be a city on a hill so that we can shine a light for you. Lord, we love you so much. We love you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just bring healing into homes that maybe be dealing with dysfunction. Bring peace and joy into our homes this Christmas season. God, we thank you so much for your word. We th- don't let us gloss over the Christmas story because it's something that we hear every year, but there, are, there is truth in there that can sharpen us, that can make us more like you. We thank you that you included the story of Mary and Joseph in your birth, God, so that we could learn more about Emmanuel. We could learn more about God with us. Unto us a son is given. Unto us a savior is born. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Merry Christmas. You have been listening to the CMC podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.